been changing things around lately. <laughs> you have to do that every day. The blind man changing furniture in his house. That's right. That's right. It's getting my, uh, what is that, the feng, my feng shui or feng, what, yeah. is, what do you call it? Feng shui. <laughs> yes. All right, we're live. All right, welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor along with Sean McCool. And Jonathan, today we've got a special guest on the show. We've been lining up the guests lately, haven't we? Back to back to back. Yeah, it just makes our job so much easier. We drink beer, <laughs> let them talk. That's right. That's right. We don't have to think too much uh, on yeah. those days. Um, no research, no nothing. Just, you know. <laughs> think about what we're people, drinking. Yeah. Uh, I guess we did have to read a book so, last week. So we do That's that right. anyway. Though, so Occasionally we but, venture away from the juvenile, as, as, as some have labeled our show a juvenile show, and we venture yeah. into some uh, education. Every now and then. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, how to, so PR, how to piggyback current events, boost your own PR, those kind of things. And we have got a special guest, actually somebody I've worked with in the past. Um, and her name is Michelle Love. She is a PR guru. That's what just, we're going to give her a title of that today. So uh, why don't we go ahead and bring her in? Jonathan, I'll bring her in. You bring, you cue up the uh, audience, get them all riled up. Hey, you guys get ready out there. Okay. There she comes. There you go. In our not so live studio audience. <laughs> that was quite the entrance there, Michelle. Yes. Such a warm welcome. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, for those listening, um, Michelle and I worked at. I'm not going to name the place. I'm just going to say we worked at the same company for, I don't know, about three months. And then things happened and we all went our separate ways. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, but it was good to meet. We got to spend a week on an island, right? We uh, did. That was nice. So The highest be- views on my Instagram is the heli, heli ride. Yeah, I bet. In. It's at 29.9 thousand views. Wow. That's I had impressive. just started my Instagram for purposes of that soiree. And yeah, yeah I'm, and it's all organic because I had like three contacts at the time on Instagram. So I feel yeah. like that's a huge success. Yeah. My, my daughter always says anything with the ocean in blue, like just does really well on Instagram. <laughs> so that's why she moved to Florida. She's in, that's right. still in Florida, Michelle. So sorry. Are you still in Florida? I am in Florida, Tampa, the hotbed of all hotbeds. It's just so beautiful in Tampa, so close to everything. Um, really amazing. There's quite a tourist destination now. It wasn't when we first moved here in, I think, 2015, but certainly now it is. And Tom Brady moving here at the Gronk and all the other nonsense that ensued uh, certainly helped the notoriety. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my daughter just actually moved to that area she's outside of tampa a little bit but that's where she just moved to so she's in the area as well well it so. sounds like you'll be here soon might who knows we'll see we'll, what's what uh, was the island busy. what was the island you guys sister rock, sister rock. Yep. east sister rock it's the size of what a mile not maybe a quarter mile oh it's not even a quarter mile like i mean it's big enough for a house and a pool and that was about it so not much <laughs> on the, it sounds like fire luggage yeah, my luggage is completely soaked, uh, salt stained because the little 
it wasn't really a dinghy, but it behaved no, worse than a dinghy in Sean's a, captain. Yeah, it was a beat up little uh, boat to get you from shore to the island because it was about 500, it was probably a thousand yards from shore to yeah. to the house, but right. you, know, you had to take a little boat, you know, and it was through the coral and all the stuff. So we'd bottom out every once in a while, low tide, like just crazy stuff. But, but it was, you know, it was the rental boat that you use when you rent the house. So it wasn't a nice boat, you know, cause they knew mm-hmm. you were going to damage it. So. <laughs> so it would leak, it would get water in it. It'd do all kinds of stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a fun time. I was glad to get off though. A week was too long with yeah. as many people as we had there and all that stuff. So, <laughs> Uh, we could write a whole like memoir about that oh, yeah, week. For sure. Yeah. So much. Be some good it was all too. good behaved uh, activity as well. Nothing yes. outrageous as you might not expect. No, it was all business stuff, but it was yeah. just mm-hmm. too many people for too long. That's right. the bottom line. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Michelle, I think you just have water today, right? I do. Do you have a special kind or is it just tap water? Is it filtered? Is it, it is filtered water. Okay. Do you use special cool. filters or anything like that? Reverse osmosis, carbon, okay. and I don't know the other. So there you thing go. Of it. Yeah. yeah. Fancy filter stuff. Two well, we're going to, uh, we'll quickly do our beers. I've, I've actually got a returning beer on, so we won't have to go into a lot of depths, but I'll just go ahead and share mine real quick. If you'll uh, hold tight, Michelle, for our little uh, juvenile beer talk, as uh, one person called it. Uh, <laughs> but we still like it. So uh, I'm, I'm having something from Tupps Brewery. So if you guys remember Tupps Brewery that are listening, they have the Full Grown Man series is my favorite. They're oh, yeah. Really nice premium Imperial Stouts. And today we are having, since it's almost Halloween, a Full Grown Jack. That doesn't look from the, I mean, is that, have you had, had that it, one before? I had it last Halloween or the Halloween before for okay. sure. All right. So yeah, this is full grown Jack. It's Imperial Stout with pumpkin spices. Okay. I know you said last week you're not doing pumpkin spice, but not this year. This gets a pass. I'm getting full grown Jack. That gets a pass. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Okay. What do you have, (laughs) Jonathan? Uh, I also have a returning uh, guest. I have a New Heights. uh, This is from New Heights Brewing Company over in Nashville. Uh, This is a Naval Gazer. Oh yeah, um, Imperial, st- yeah, Imperial Stout. So nine, yeah, like nine and a half. It's that yeah. time of year, Imperial Stouts. Yep. Oh, yeah, com- I forgot to say, mine is 12.1. 12, oh, golly. <laughs> All right, uh, Michelle, that's going to, that gives you some indication, uh, nine and a half and a 12%. So you will be doing a lot of the talking. You'll be running the show today. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> uh, all right, so. well. Let's cheers it up. Cheers, everybody, cheers. to a good show. Cheers. All about PR secrets and stuff. There we go. So we got sound effects and everything, Michelle. We're, I we love are, it. We're dealing here. Well, that's why you're the number two seat in the Persuasion that's right. Podcast. That's right. That's right. Thank you exactly. for bringing that up. Yes. About to be what number It sounds one. better when other guests say yeah, it than when they know that that. <laughs> right. awesome. you did your research that's what so, i'm here for so michelle um we're talking about pr today that's your background but give kind of get us up to speed how you got into pr and kind of where you're at now and then we'll get into kind of the pr secrets and the some examples that you're you're going to talk about and things like that but first give give the people a little background on who you are 
Sounds good. So I basically entered PR almost by mistake. Um, in my early career, I had the pleasure of working at a very sophisticated economic and community redevelopment agency as a finance director and uh, ultimately became the executive director. There is um, redeveloping Milwaukee, uh, a very hip now place in Milwaukee, and then ventured into housing redevelopment because of that and economic brownfield redevelopment and worked with a variety of people. And how apropos for the show, I then went to work for Miller Brewing, Philip Morris, at a time when they still allowed cigarette smoking in the cubicles. <laughs> That's how oh, wow. far the way back that was. But um, it was really an interesting place for me because I was doing marketing analyst work for all the brands and they were owned by Kraft at the time um, and Philip Morris. And so I had this really great foundational financial expertise, but then the marketing entree and I was really missing like being out with the community, dealing with fundraising and uh, government officials and really was in PR, but didn't realize it at the time when I was in nonprofit management. And so I went to the leadership and said, hey, Philip Morris, we're not represented in the Brownfield redevelopment effort in Milwaukee, which now hosts, at the time it was called Miller Park, but the first retractable uh, Milwaukee or baseball stadium, right? The Major League Baseball Stadium. And so uh, they allowed me and said, as long as your analyst work is done, feel free. So I represented uh, Miller Brewing in that relationship and it was fantastic. So that's kind of how I got into PR. I guess I was in it before I really realized what it was and um, then went to a direct marketing agency and built their, which at that time was uh, housing mortgages, uh, subprime mortgage marketing and built out their PR branding division, full service. We added in uh, healthcare technology in a wholesale way. And um, that was really the formal entry into the agency business. And so I've been in that space for quite some time, worked with all sorts of clients, everything from startup organizations, nonprofit, publicly held organizations, um, helped launch the audacious beer celebration uh, hosted by the Rotary. So all these historic intersections to persuasion by the pint um, nice. in hindsight, right? So yeah. everything You've been preparing for this show for just... I, it's, it, it's yeah, amazing. who knew? Who knew? It's amazing. So it's been really an interesting ride. And of course, PR, is. I find it interesting because um, people really like to identify me with PR. I was like... I know all pieces of marketing, but I finally am leaning into that. Like give the people what they want, if that's what people yeah. want. And yes, I have that skill. I have other skills as well, but I do have an innate ability, I think because of my business training. When I was running the nonprofit agency, I went through as an adult learner. I went through all of my college as an adult education uh, participant, um, college of the air, online, weekend college, and uh, went through my executive master's when I was running the nonprofit. So I have that business acumen first and then look at, you know, communication solutions for solving business problems. So in a nutshell, oh, that, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So is that, that last thing you said, is that how, cause I was going to ask you, how do you define PR? Is that how you define it? Kind of the so last really PR is earned, not paid. So there are so many tools in the toolbox of public relations and 
I've seen, and um, there are even memes about this, with PR does not stand for press release. So many people <laughs> use them interchangeably. Yeah. And so public relations um, is a formal name in PR, the short uh, abbreviation, but really anything that is not able to be paid for. You mm. have to earn it organic. And obviously social media is a huge piece of that. Uh, wasn't at the in back in the day you only had sort of press releases and feature stories and then of course blogs became a thing so um, social media is so important and is so generally inexpensive but corporations you know we're seeing companies spending thirty thousand a month or upward on their content because content is king as you know is being in the business i mean it drives everything even before it was named content. It was still driving all marketing communications, all public relations and whatnot. So the traditional public relations is media relations, maybe government and community relations. And of course now social media being one of the huge drivers of most PR efforts. Yeah, I can, I think it's also a good place. Um, I know a lot of customer services moving, which is I guess a form of PR, right? Especially if people are complaining. Um, and a lot of that's moving on to social media because I, I know my wife, if she can't get a response by email, she just goes to their Twitter and like within minutes gets a response. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That reputation management piece of it is so important. Yeah. And it's funny how that, that works. So well, that's cool. Um, I had no idea you'd been preparing so long for our podcast. So that's really <laughs> good. That's really good to know. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so uh, you put in a little too much work. Apparently, much that's what there. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always better to be over prepared, right? Yeah, exactly. So, give us what are your favorite examples? You sent me a list, so tell me, like, what are some of your favorite examples? That you sent me a list, kind of old, kind of new, um, some in between. So, talk about some of your favorite examples of PR, and and then why. We'll start with. Uh, which one do you want to go first? You want to go old or new first? Let's go with new. And um, because this is going to have such a long shelf life, it'll be old news before, you know, the next, uh, the next group of uh, viewers see it, but the trailer effect, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Okay. Any NFL pairing of all time. I'm just going to editorialize for a minute and say, please stop. I'm watching NFL to watch the NFL and it's basically overplayed, but hugely successful for specifically for Travis Kelsey right now. Uh, You also see just interesting timing of all of the paid commercials. You know that it takes some time to produce a commercial. We can do it quickly, right? We can be lean and mean and we can get really great content produced very, very quickly. But at the level that they're producing um, national commercials, it's it's not that way. So these things have been planned out obviously for quite some time. So I'll just sort of lob that out there and gauge your reaction. And you know, is it really, is it really what it appears to be? Time will tell. So you think- No, um, that sounds like, it seems like a really, real relationship. I think it just kind of, it's just a, just nothing but romance there. There's no, there's no, uh, no agenda, right? No agenda whatsoever. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> What's, um, who's it? Ryan Reynolds, right? He's the, he's the exception to that, Michelle. He, they do a really good job. His agency that he has is they actually have a thing where they can make a commercial in 36 hours because they use a lot of news 
you know, when yeah. they, they piggyback off news for their mm-hmm. different brands, whether it's Mint Mobile or Aviation or whatever. Um, I read an article about him that, that he, he, he set up an agency that will specifically, it's specifically built to take advantage of news. So they'll do national level commercials in 36 hours. That's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. He's so talented. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, he just went off the rails with the whole soccer thing, but other than that, he's a cool guy. <laughs> you know, but I guess, I guess if you want to get international fans, that's, it's not a bad move. Not, so. no, not at all. So what, so go a little bit deeper with the, the, and I agree with you, by the way, we said the exact same thing last weekend. We were watching the chiefs game and they kept showing Taylor Swift. And I think my wife said, she's like, I don't want to see Taylor Swift. I'm watching the game. Like it's like bringing politics into a football game or a sporting event, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. it just feels forced. It feels over the top. Um, In your, in your opinion, um, editorializing or whatever, who do you think is, is benefiting more from these? I think you said Travis, but why do you say that? Definitely Travis. So just pulling a little detail here in terms of Jersey sales and followers, so he went, um, just going to read us, Kelsey, whose name jumped in search interest on Google with a 70% increase since its last peak on February 12th when he won the Super Bowl. So wow. he's seen his social media following growing from 1.1 million to 4.4 million since the first rumors about his involvement with Swift started. Wow. And it's also translated into financial gains for the Chiefs. Um, his jer- jersey reportedly had a 400% spike in sales through the Fanatics network of sites. Wow. Uh, and so- enter Aaron Andrews. So Aaron Andrews has been on the uh, daytime circuit. And of course, she has recently launched a clothing line through Fanatics. And uh-huh. the sweatshirt that Taylor most recently wore was one that Aaron had provided. But Aaron introduced them according to what she claims on the circuit. So this, so many spokes tying interesting. into the center. What a, yes. what wow. an interesting web I, we weave. Yeah. The depth here. Oh, that's, that's, that's some a lot of, lot of, lot of interest there. Right. So I mean, Aaron Andrews is kind of taking over because Alyssa Milano was the original like women's Jersey, like kind of person. And then she said something stupid, I think. And then everybody stopped liking her. And then <laughs> so I guess Aaron Andrews is, got her line now but that's interesting i did not know that tie about that uh the jerseys specifically and then the because that would be the women's jersey so that's probably what's selling i guess the most the sweatshirt for the women yep and then i don't but we can get it so the kelsey's jerseys are really i mean he's really taken the gains on this and then you know his brother so the story with his brother who plays for what the eagles maybe yeah philly He's a lineman, though. He doesn't get any jersey sales. He does that. But his mom, so all three of them are in commercials together as well. Oh, yeah. The the Campbells? In the Campbells? And they have a Netflix documentary, too, that came out this year. So the timing, I just, you know, is interesting. Yeah. It's interesting when you're in the business. um, Like, you know, I noticed things in copywriting that probably a lot of people miss. Jonathan noticed things in sales and that kind of distribution, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's cool to see through the eyes of somebody who understands all the things that could be linked together and starts to see the link. So that's, that's pretty, 
that's pretty cool um, to see all those things. So you think, so I'm going back to your original point that it benefits uh, Travis much more than it benefits um, Taylor Swift because she's got, I mean, obviously she's got a global brand, right? right? I mean, so Mm -hmm. that it does make sense. So she's pulling in a lot of people that otherwise would not be interested in the Kansas City Chiefs or, you know, a tight end named Travis Kelsey. Um, I mean, that's getting him a ton of eyeballs right there. Um, and, and what was the increase? What did you say? The uh, his his jersey increase in sales? What What is that? So his jersey, 400% spike in jersey sales Whoa. through Fanatics alone. Wow. Wow. And his uh, followers and social media went from 1.1 to 4.4 million. So about the same, 400% or so. So what do you think, what do you think, let's say that, let's be, let's go ahead, just be, you know, rude and skeptical. (laughs) Cynical. Um, Cynical. Yeah, let's be cynical about this, grumpy old people and be like, hey. um, We know what's going on here. What's in it for, if it's not a true relationship, what's in it for Taylor? Well, I think she does tend, she, it, it, it presents as if she does like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you think it's legit. It just, just he does have good fashion. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. So you think it's, he drives a Rolls Royce too. Right. That's all that. You think it's a little more than coincidental, but you think it might be real. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I'm uh, wait and see how long this might last. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you it, search, there's already, you know, people have done the uh, favor for Taylor. They've already written breakup songs with uh, featuring Kelsey with football lingo and all that kind of stuff. So she doesn't even have to write the lyrics when it comes time to do the breakup songs. So yeah, there's so many written. things you could fumble, you could intercept, you could punt. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. so many so, things. Yeah, just an easy, that song writes itself almost. So mm-hmm. that'll, that'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Um, Do you yeah. think this benefits, I'm sure it benefits the NFL brand too. I mean, there, there's a vested interest not only from him, but, you know, NFL is probably looking at this from a, from a standpoint of, you know, people bringing in more you know, viewers, uh, I, do you know, are there any stats on what the, the viewership has gone up and, you know, since this relationship, I'm sure those numbers have probably increased on every they night that increased. they're, there was like a 40% and don't quote me on the stat, but there was already a 40% viewership, female viewership to the NFL okay. and growing. And I know they were really purposefully appealing to the female audience mm-hmm. to broaden that out as a campaign initiative and a strategic focus. And so um, I would imagine that's, you know, grown since that time. I see it looks like Sean's researching as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it says NBC's, let's see what, I don't, is this the right one? NBC Sunday night football drew an audience of 27 million viewers up 22% from the same week a year ago mm-hmm. as a rumored relationship between Swift and Kansas City Chiefs tight end pulled in additional fans. Yeah. That included an 2 million more women than usual the network said. Yeah. That's um that's significant. So yeah. And you know, and they're all you know, the NFL's trying to expand its blue or you know, its footprint over in Europe, which is, you know, mm-hmm. been an ongoing thing, you know, they have the you know, they Seems like more and more games every year they're doing in England. 
Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, the next two weeks are in Germany. Yeah. So they're, they're yep. expanding. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's here says, um, uh, for October 3rd from the Kansas city star, it says, uh, oh, all the ads are loading. Oh, gotta have a subscription to read that one. So the blurb says Kansas city had a 47.8 rating for the game, which was the highest of any market St. Louis, uh, St. Louis was second. So they had the highest local rating on October 3rd. Wow. Uh, the Chiefs did. So, so yeah, it's working if that's, uh, if that's part of the plan or if it's just, it's a nice byproduct anyway. So that's, that's interesting. So. Lance Bass was in one of the box seats and he was holding up example or a sign that he was not Taylor Swift. I he saw got that. a sliver of coverage <laughs> despite the new Trolls movie coming out so in sync's that's a good example of, of piggybacking on PR, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he's right. he's at a game. He's like, hey, I'm going to take a little sign that says I'm not Taylor Swift, right? Because they know, you know, Brilliant. these celebrities yeah. know they're going to get at least one shot while they're there at the game, right? Oh, of course. They, they well, what was the, the uh, what was the game a few weeks ago where they played the Jets? I mean, it was in New York City and it was like, you know, the game against, I think it was a Sunday night game and you had... um. You had uh, who's the guy that plays Wolverine? Gosh, why am I thinking? Um, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman was there, and then Ryan Reynolds was there too, right? I mean, he yeah. was there, and so they were all like within the vicinity. I mean, you you looked at it; they were close to that area where you know that big you know box was uh, yeah. where everybody you know her you know the Travis Kelsey uh, Taylor Swift uh, band was. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm so, sure. Michelle, do you think, do those guys' agents say, hey, you need to get to an NFL game <laughs> or stuff like that? Or is that just their own thinking or are they encouraged to do that by their PR agents? Yeah, their PR agents are scripting a lot of things. I think when you're at that level and she's superstar status, um, there is that extra. She she probably commands much of her schedule. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing Taylor Swift as a opening act for Rascal Flatts back in the day. Um, and she's definitely talented and she's been able to harness, but I would expect that, you know, I'd love to see the statistics on the, the viewership if that's really brought the younger demographic <clears throat> that maybe isn't tuned in to sitting by a TV. Like they might be streaming on their phone or whatever, but are they planning an afternoon around football? You know, yeah. I come from a football family, so my brother, you know, coached JFL. We were always at games. Every hometown, you know, centered around Friday night, Sundays around TV, now Thursdays and Mondays. But I'm not sure that that's something that generations, you know, newer than ours does. I really don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this. How could – so this is a big news event. It's It's still going on a little bit, you know, especially on Sundays, maybe Monday mornings, you know. How could our listeners kind of piggyback? Is there a way for our listeners to piggyback off off this kind of stuff? Well, there is. I think that really a lot of public relations are contain self-created opportunities. You know, I've worked with a lot, say, for instance, tech companies. And in terms of startup, they're like, we just have our product and that's what we have. And so really counseling them and saying, you know, just really let me at that because we create our own opportunities. They're self-made. Some mm -hmm. examples of that are like scholarship programs. 
right? Or Shark Tank, so fantastically successful, so interesting, so many great business stories. It's educational, a um, lot of human interest, mostly consumer product goods or you know consumer-based solutions. Right. But you have serious amount of business entities creating their own spin-off Shark Tank competition. So a lot of this. I feel is pop culture inspired. And then whatever's hitting that, you know, taking and applying that, and especially with a B2B play, in my opinion, some of the best programs that we've run have been business to consumer inspired and then laid over and retrofit to make it B2B because B2B business to business can be very boring if it's not approached correctly. And so taking these elements of what's, you know, current and what people are chatting about and designing programs, contests, um, promotions around that, even, even these events, you know, maybe you're doing like a skit or a talent show more fitting inside that is a nod to a certain pop culture phenomenon. You know, those are all great ways, but I, I really like canine for warriors canine for warriors is to me something that can really be brought into pretty much any organization and be fitting because you know it's purpose in helping both the animal that needs to be rescued as well as the veteran that have gone through military trauma really any organization i feel could partner with canine for warriors and be relevant in any time of the year so I really love that organization. I think it's just so fantastic the work that they're doing. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a really good uh, idea. Like you said, there's there's probably if not this, this is a good example that we've got on the screen here. Um, there's so many of these types of organizations that almost it's almost impossible to offend your audience, right. especially in anything in the animal world. It's almost. It's hard. I mean, unless you're PETA and you're selling, you know, something else like guns, you're probably not going to, those two probably may not line up. Um, but most people are not going to have a problem with humane society or, you know, canine for warriors, things like that. So I think that's a great example of, um, you know, to say, Hey, every, you know, a percentage of sales goes to this, you know, on your checkout page. I think that's a great way to, that's, that's more of a marketing thing. But yeah, to partner with these, how would you, how would you recommend, like, let's say, let's take something small, like, uh, and then we'll go bigger, but let's take something small, like a, a coach, a life coach who's, you know, out in the public, they're on Instagram all the time. How would they take canine for warriors and increase the look and the feel and their, of their business? Well, they could partner with them and they could use that as a fundraising vehicle that has really nothing to do specifically even with the sale. You could do like a roundup or something like that. But I think a lot of people really get offended with roundup programs. Maybe I'm just overlaying my own bias on that. But um, so what I is a roundup give, program? So a roundup program would be at checkout. Do you want to spend an extra 20 cents to uh, do yeah. this or that? Yeah, um, Okay, I'm not alone. I I really think it's much stronger to offer it, you know, you're pairing with them and really call it out as a special event. It might not be an in-person special event, but a virtual or a cause-based special event where we could promote it, for instance, through social media, a press release, through ambassador programs with your employees, 
and then really doing a fundraising or a sponsorship you know, with them. You can also have canines for warriors come to your event if it's large enough um, and they will come and be represented at your event. So, you know, and the national reach of this is so fantastic. I, I, it, it's all demographics, um, all income levels. I think it's really a fantastic, and as you mentioned, it's really not controversial. Right. And that's the other thing you really need to be careful of is you're trying to appease all people. You're probably not able to do that with many, many things. Something, in fact, some of the most successful efforts make people infuriated, but they really hit their core audience. You know, Canine for Warriors is one that is very mm-hmm. neutral and, you know, <laughs> universal for all the right reasons. Right. Yeah. Speaking of controversial, since you went there, I'll go there next. Um, this was not on your list, by the way, so this is a surprise for you, Michelle. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion, both from a PR standpoint and maybe a marketing, if you want to go there. Bud Light and UFC. Oh my gosh. Shocking. Shocking pairing. Yes. What has Dana White thought? Is this the, is this the Bud Light revival or can downfall of the UFC? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I didn't, I, I totally missed this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of stopped watching UFC actually a couple, a couple months ago. Um, just for some other, other reasons, but I didn't realize they had merged with WWE and now there's a new thing called TKO. So I don't know if WWE has some pull in that. Um, and I, I was reading some research on it and it's $105 million a year, which sounds like a lot of money, but that's like one really good pay-per-view event for UFC. So yeah. I don't understand. It doesn't seem to make sense to me financially because those two views, like their core audience just seems diamet, just absolutely opposite of what is going on with the Bud Light controversy. What do you see as a PR person? Well, as a PR person, I'm perplexed by it. I look at it as um, probably Bud Light feeling like this is locked in and this will convert the hardcore sort of uh, beer drinker that has abandoned them. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the demographic, you know, tough fighting, all of that kind of thing. And maybe they feel it's just so guaranteed if they are, were, and have partnered um, in this way. But I'm really interested to see how it pans out. On a personal note, I, you know, I'm concerned about that being now the conversation in front of a very wide age demographic. You know, there's a lot of children that are involved in GOAT watch UFC fighting, WWE. So the broad brush of viewership (laughs) and bringing this controversy to impressionable young minds, um, you know, that concerns me as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, I was shocked when I saw, saw that it's like, I mean, Dana White's a smart guy. So I don't know if there's something I'm missing. Isn't Bud Light already partnered with the NFL though? I mean, they're served in, so yeah, many stadiums. It, I mean, and I mean, last week David said I, n- I never looked it up, but David said last week that Bud Light had filed for bankruptcy, which I guess was probably a reorg, not a. Yeah, actual. that doesn't mean that. I mean, it just means they're reorgan reorganizing. Right, they're not going away. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm sure it's a. Yeah, popular beer brand files for bankruptcy. 
But yeah, I mean, they're still serving in NFL stadiums all over the place. So I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's, um, yeah, it's, it it did surprise me though with, uh, (laughs) that, that combination though. (laughs) One of my friends posted on Facebook. They're like, is this like, is good for Bud Light or bad for the UFC? (laughs) I think it's definitely, I think it's more, I think both companies are, are underestimating how upset this made the people that boycotted sure. Bud Light. Mm-hmm. I think they're totally underestimating yeah. it. Well, Tom will tell. I think people are absolutely right? willing to boycott mm-hmm. UFC, which yeah. if you just do a search, there's already a lot of calls for it. Yeah. Will it actually happen? I don't know. You know, people's behavior is different than what their talk is, but they've, they have held remarkably strong on this Bud Light stance. Like it's right. been, it's been, whether you agree with it or not, the resolve has been pretty impressive. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. doubled down for sure. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize Jonathan that you're, what you were saying about the NFL. So it's interesting that that is not the conversation at that platform and in that venue yeah. partnership, but it is in this. So it um, is. yeah, good point. I think is it just, I think it's because it's like a new partnership, maybe that it's attracting some attention. Yeah. Whereas, like the NFL never bailed one way or the other; they never right. really took a side. Right. And the stadiums are going to keep selling beer, mm-hmm. but you can bet beer sales were down. I mean, there was pics oh, on Instagram. Time. Yeah. Like people were choosing different lines. The kiosks, the Bud Light kiosks, were empty. Like it still affected them big time. Yes. Um, and it's interesting. Like, what does Modelo do? Like, does Modelo take advantage of this with some of their ads? Do they get involved? How do they? Boy, how do they play I this? Because sure they were the UFC beer for <laughs> the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people switched to Modelo. Mm-hmm. You know. So oh, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how that that plays Coors out. and Modelo definitely yeah. have benefited from all of this um, big time. So I'm, I'm interested in one other thing, liquid, uh, what's the other liquid death? Cause Sean and I have talked about this brand on our show and they've done some pretty amazing things. Um, you know, interesting story and the fact that they're doing, I think they've got like, <laughs> Sean, I don't know if we talked about this, but like people, they're like, they're like doing, um, uh, like they're turning like people that are just like putting hate comments against them. They're turning into music videos and stuff like that. I think that's hilarious, but maybe you've got something, uh, something new to share, um, Michelle on liquid death. Cause it's, it's, it seems like a brand that has really grown pretty fast. I mean, it's like, I didn't know anything about them like a year ago, but all of a sudden they're everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, liquid know. death. It was so interesting. Um, I was not aware that it was a water. Yeah. So true story, a couple months ago, my daughter and I were at, I forget what country concert. Oh, Sam Hunt. Um, oh, a couple of other people I have to look back at Instagram and figure out what it was. But um, I just wanted a water and Liquid Death was really the only water that they're selling in a can. <laughs> so the organization, and, and then <laughs> when you go to the pit and we had great pit, pit uh, placement, to, you have to dump the can into a plastic cup, right? Because of the safety <laughs> of people throwing things. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Of course, give me a double cup so I can hold it right. more steadily. But um, yeah, the premier, pr- premier pricing of water, that is the only option. So in May 2020 um, or 22, they ended up partnering let me get let me get my dates here right um 
Why you're looking that up? I, I had no idea. Why you're looking that up? I had no idea they had already moved into iced tea and yeah, yeah. Their tea is actually pretty good. I, I've had their tea. It's it's I really did not good. Realize that. <clears throat> yeah. So in May 21, Liquid Death raised an additional 15 million in Series C funding. Mm -hmm. And they completed that with Live Nation, and they would sell the drink exclusively at their events and venues for a period of time. Hmm. And then since then, they've been selling at Publix and Sprouts. And in January 22, uh, they received 5.25 million valuation. So, um, yeah, it was really just some individuals that created this, a tall tall boy water drink. Mm -hmm. And... Um, let's see, founded with a murder for thirst. Yeah, their names are crazy. They've got some really cool. (laughs) It's It's so interesting. The original idea was like death to plastic, right? Well, so I was looking at Wikipedia and they were saying that their name was really coming from kind of just kind of making their way. So their history, Delaware native, the graphic designer, Inspired to create Liquid Death after watching the Vans Warp Tour in 2001, in which concert goers would drink water out of Monster Energy cans to stay hydrated. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's our, I think that's their target. I mean, they're they're looking to capitalize off of the the um, you know the energy drinks, the monsters, the 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 Red Bull crowd. But then you've got this also this other contingency of people that drink hard seltzers too out of a can too. So, it, I mean, there can't, if you notice their cans actually look like a hard seltzer, right? Like a, you know, so, or, or yeah, yeah, like, a, like an energy drink. Um, <laughs> yeah. I turned it away. I was like, no, I'm not interested. I just want to drink water. And they're like, it is. And my dad's like, it is water. I was like, what? So true story. Then when they're, they're quite pricey, you know, drinks at concerts are not cheap, even the that, water. So yeah. she was, she was, um, refilling her drink and I was like, no, I'll just take another cup of water. Of course you already have the plastic clear mm-hmm. glass because you're in the pit. Yeah. So she comes back and I was convinced it was tap water. It didn't taste anything like it once I did not see the can and was drinking it completely only yeah. out of the out of the cup. So she's like, no, I just didn't want to tell you because you know you would tell me not to spend that kind of money on three waters. I was like, okay, Brett, <laughs> it's like twenty one dollars yeah. of three of three waters, but um, it's like the airport, I, right? They got exactly. you exactly. Yep, they yeah. get you every time. Yeah, I've had their Arnold Palmer, which you showed a picture of. It's the Armless Palmer. <laughs> Oh no! The armless Palmer, yes. Um, It's actually not bad at all. But uh, I I agree with you. Some of their waters just are like there's nothing to it. It's I don't know. I mean, well, it's you know, it's the it's the you know, is this PR? Is this marketing? Or is it both? It it seems like it's kind of both, right, Michelle? Like it's it's great marketing, which leads to and lends itself to great PR. Exactly. Yeah. There's such an intertwinement. Have you seen, like we were talking about, like they, they've taken like people that are really just roasting them on the internet. I mean, they literally take their comments and turn them into music videos, which I think is, is, is hilarious. Awesome. It's so good. (laughs) That's like a a, a millennial thing to do, which I really respect about that crowd. Um, Own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. I, th- I love that. They I mean, just, I think they basically just own like, it. 
Yeah. Our generation would typically like kind of shy away from that and try to control it. And I think the younger companies, um, yeah, you know, they've, they've realized like you can't (laughs) fight this stuff. So you might as well embrace embrace it. it. Yeah. Oh, you guys will love this story. So this goes back a little bit of time, but in one of the most conservative industries, banking, um, had a client, uh, now they call it FinTech. I like, so dating myself back in the day, but in the waybacks, um, so we had this client, very conservative, um, national trade banking association event. And, um, I won't go into too many details because the person will be identifiable, which is not what I'm intending. And so the next day, the story was this individual was wrapped around with the evening clothes on, and I won't go into details on that, (laughs) around the palm tree in the lobby of the convention hotel. Wow. Wrapped around with some sort of tape. So I'm the PR person. And what do you do, right? So I say we lean in. I mean, this is the talk of the convention. Yeah. You know, this is not like it's an entertainment industry where this is just nobody pays attention to this. This is not that at all. So I thought about it for a minute and um, launched a very effective print campaign that we put in all the same trade publications about geniuses being misunderstood. It was wildly successful because nice the person's spin. a creative, they cannot be told what to do, super smart, um, based in California. You know, I'm like, we need to own this and what right. better way, you know, just because somebody has too much fun one night doesn't undo all of the other <laughs> great things that they have done and what yeah. great people they are. And so it was super effective. We had, um, you know, campaigns showing like Einstein and some other things and like line drawing, you know, real art drawing. Um, it was really fantastic. And it did a couple spinoffs of that. So the best solution really is to own it, lean into it. And no one can be embarrassed about that because this is that genuine individual. If you want to pair with this organization, you're going to get some of the best technology and they're going to be the funnest, most fun people to hang around at the convention. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. That's a great spin. Um, that's really good. I like that. So, especially in a conservative industry. Yes. And it is, you know, it's so much easier, I think, maybe not at first, but once you wrap your head around it and kind of understand it, I think it's much easier to lean into it than it is to defend it. Oh, like you 100%. can never win defending, like you just, no. especially in a social media world. Like maybe in the print days, you could put some yeah. stuff out and you could kind of control the narrative a little bit more. But the social so, media is yeah, so I mean, fast it, and so many people, you can't fight it. It's like fighting right. a- In this day and age, is the eight, what is the old adage? Any publicity is good publicity, whether it's bad right. or good. So you can, you can find a way to work it to your advantage. I'm sure, you know, you when, have to, a famous person wrote a book called there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. And it certainly is true. Um, lean into it all conversation. Now, you know, you could argue that if valuation drops, stock price drops, that's 
not. Sure. But when you look at the sheer value of the cost of advertising, which is going up by the minute, um, to get that coverage, have your brand recall, your name in yeah. front of someone time and time and time and time again, you know, the, the, the goal, what I always work with individuals and corporations is to put enough positive deposits in. Mm-hmm. So that when something negative does happen and it will, and the bigger you are, the more frequently it will happen, yeah. that there's money in the bank to draw from, from. It's, you know, balancing it out because sure. by its sheer structure, public relations is uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to get as much controlled hits, you know, clicks, views, um, impressions mm-hmm. out there so that when those negative things do happen, you know, it could be anything that you're not even aware of or have control over that all of a sudden hits you in the press, you know, some supplier X rogue or anything. It's not even necessarily part of your company that you, your brand could be tainted by. And so the goal really is to get as much positive coverage in as many venues as possible right. so that you do have that, you know, bank balance to draw from, so to speak. Sure. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit. We'll get to one of your kind of older examples here in a minute, but, um, I really want to bring this home for the listeners and the viewers. Like, do you have a system? Is there a news feed you subscribe to? Is there anything like that that you can, you can look for ideas that you can piggyback off of? whether it's the Taylor Swift thing, whether it's the UFC thing, like, um, you know, whether it's in, in social media, you know, writing a trend or something like that. Is there kind of a system, a way to systematize that with your team or with yourself? If you're, if you're a solopreneur to take advantage of all these trends, all these hot topics. And I mean, I noticed, I mean, Jonathan's done a good job. Like we'll title some of our podcasts, with somebody who might be in the news, you know, whether it's Elon Musk or mm-hmm. Trump or whatever. And those podcasts always get higher ratings, like yeah. higher downloads. Um, we should have titled, we should have put Taylor Swift's name in this one, but. Oh, we will. Trust me. <laughs> On the back end, we will. Um, <laughs> so is there a systematic way or kind of a way to set that up to get notifications or, or how do you, how would you recommend you know, smaller, most of our audience, Michelle, is going to be smaller solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, copywriters, things like that. So what do you, what advice would you have for them on that? Yeah, I would say really just having the mainstream news feed. So I, and then there are also publication sourcing uh, for reporters. So help a reporter out or Haro or Haro is a source. So there are industry tools. Yeah. So they will be able to push current events and you can also get, you know, Google for an inexpensive free Google alerts around different things. But I feel like the headlines and especially if you have multiple venues, um, multiple channels that you're subscribing to, whether it's Google or MSNBC um, or anything at all, there are so there are so many clues about what's hot. You know, what is the top story ranking, um, and really pulling in that. But I I truly feel that the entertainment industry, because they really are controlling 
you know, what's being on TV, whether it's through the news channels or the entertainment uh, television shows programming, there's so much content baked in there. So somebody that's plugged in or to streaming or otherwise, you know, you're going to get good read on what's getting coverage simply by following the headlines in some of the mainstream publications. Mm -hmm. And I'm including Google and mainstream publications. So do you think, um, I have my answer for this and I have an answer from a famous copywriter as well. Like, do you think it's better to follow industry news that's in your industry, your niche or pop culture and try to, which one do you think is better to ride? So I like to do a blend because you need to follow and be relevant to your audience too far off and they're going to just not take you seriously and it's right. not going to like where is the where is the intersection so really the art and the skill of it is finding that intersection um, in that Venn diagram where those where that's where that overlaps mm-hmm. to say okay what is that crossover point or where yeah. is it that that little impact or you could even have an opinion piece you know, depending on the flavor of your organization, your brand, if you were to be so adventurous, you know, you start creating opinion pieces really just to get, you know, some dust kicked up a little bit, you know, that's yeah. effective as well. So if you had to pick up a percentage blend of industry specific and pop culture, obviously the pop culture is with a tie back to your industry or something like that what blend would you say? Like, is it 50, 50, 60, 40, 90, 10? So I'm going to say read in detail, 80% industry and scan the headlines of the pop culture piece. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say 75, 25 industry to pop culture, but yeah. 80, 20 or 80. Yeah. 80, 20. Yeah. Anywhere in that range. That's kind of what I was, I was thinking as well. Cause too, like you said, Michelle, I think too much becomes, little childish maybe a little like out of touch not not serious enough like can i trust these people with my serious business if all they're talking about is pop culture right um but at the same time pop culture is pop culture for a reason like it's you know i mean andy warhol did pretty well with pop culture you know it's just like um and marvel movies make a lot of money or used to i don't know if they still do but um I don't know if anybody's going to see the new Marvel movie. It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Nobody's talking about They've that. They've killed a lot of the, the uh, recent Marvel Yeah, when you take movies. out half the universe, <laughs> you lose some of your, your audience for sure. Well, and there's some people that pride themselves on not watching any TV or being yeah. connected to this at all, which I find fascinating because it's yeah. like, it, what is that? Is that you're just... You know, I watch it for because I'm in the business because also because I want to hear what people what's being touted, you know, what most people are consuming, because that's a value right from a positioning standpoint and just tonality and sort of energy of individuals and what sort of the community vibe might be like. Um, And so I feel like there's you don't have to be interested in watching TV to get business benefit from streaming or online or traditional television yeah um eugene schwartz was a copywriter i was talking about he did a he did a talk at a publisher you know 20 20 years ago or something 30 years ago he's like if you're not paying attention to pop culture yeah your career will last about three years because the fact is pop culture drives entertainment drives you know whether that's 
football, whether that's movies, TV, movies, TV shows. Yeah. Like if you're not up on, you know, you know, whether it's breaking bad, you know, 20 years ago, you know, game of Thrones, if you're not making the some wire. references yeah. to that stuff every once in a while, you definitely, I think missing some chances yeah. and you don't, you're, you're going to miss some of that relatability stuff. Like even if I don't watch game of Thrones, but you as a business kind of make an analogy with it. And I've heard everybody else in the office talking about game of Thrones. I'm going to think you're a little bit up to date. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, is that, is, yeah. I mean, our guest last week, David uh, Garfinkel, he referenced um, the wire, a show that's been, I mean, that show is out like in the early two thousands. I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost 20 years old, but it still has yeah. relevance. People still refer to that because it's, it was a great, great show, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so there's so much relevance in that, in those TV shows, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, um, Ted Lasso. Ted, yeah, exactly. That, you yeah. know, just people that gravitate it, to whether they, if they don't watch, even if they're not into uh, pop culture constantly, they know enough about some of the, the more popular shows or movies that are out there, um, you know, to tie those into whatever your industry is. Well, I think it's, it, you know, I write, a, I write a lot of email copy for clients, you know, ongoing nurture sequences, things like that. Yeah. And I will try to slide in just like a one liner that only people that watch that would really get, you know? Right. Yep. But that resonates with people. It's kind of like Bill Mueller, <clears throat> you know, story, the, yeah. that uh, story selling machine that he, he talks about some of that stuff. It's like even working in a one liner that like maybe 30, 50% of your audience really gets Mm-hmm. establishes this connection, I think. Yeah. That you can't do with like facts and figures and logic and anything else. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, these guys watch the same stuff I watch, you know? Cool. They're they're kind of cool. They're like me. Because that's ultimately <laughs> what ha- people have to decide when they right. want to do business with you is, oh, these people are like me or at least they get me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you had one more example, I think, which is a little bit older, Michelle. So let's let's go there. It was Heinz, I believe. For Heinz. So I um, follow an individual on LinkedIn, and his name is Mike Gelb. And I just actually, I won the contest and uh, won some, I guess, very exclusive um, Air Jordans because of my knowledge of this um, Heinz story. Yeah, it was a nice prize. Um, and that was right before the island, Sean. Um, so basically, Henry Hines went from bankruptcy to a $44 billion sauce brand, um, just kind of for backdrop. But what I really liked about this, a couple of things, some of this marketing, some product design, um, some of the public relations. But one of the things he did was that he put his ketchup in glass clear bottles because the rest of his competition was not didn't really have a clean looking product. So they were putting the ketchup in brown bottles to hide that, right? So super transparent, um, but that's not the most interesting part. Just want to kind of give you that for background and you get to the that's right interesting. I remember seeing that. Have you ever watched the show, Michelle, um, like things that built America on the History Channel? So there's yes. things that built not. America. I've seen that, yeah. Heinz was one of those and, it, and he talked about that. Absolutely, so yeah. So that, uh, making the ketchups in his kitchen and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. everybody so else was having botulism and everything else. <laughs> uh, the stuff those guys did back in those days was so much 
ballsier. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. what people are doing today, like yeah. oh, sure. the risk they took and the expense that they sunk in was just yep. the cost of You're just waiting for a lawsuit back the then. The cost of entry was so high back then compared to now. Yep. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. So anyway, finish your story. I love this. I love this one. So the pickle pen. So Heinz was at the Chicago World or the World's Fair that was held being held in Chicago. And he had a tiny booth on the second floor. But, you know, no visibility. Who wants to climb stairs? So he offered people a pickle pen if they would come to the booth. And so everybody, you know, just crowded to the booth. The building almost fell down. So the story goes. Wow. So just an idea there. And then factory tours. It's a pickle pen. A pickle pen is just almost like you see some ornaments sometimes during Christmas time. It's just literally like a pickle, like just a sweet pickle. Oh, and okay. it was enough to get people to climb stairs and, you know, come to their booth. It, so I guess back then, yeah. And back then it was, that was before swag, right? Hit the yeah. comp, hit the, it's the original <laughs> swag. Yes. yes. <laughs> well now said. there's so many pins. You don't, the last thing you want is a pin from a booth, right? That's right. It's, uh, although you can get a year supply if you go to any given trade show, mm-hmm. true, true. pick up your pins. And then factory tours. So the government was, they were looking to eliminate, you know, unsanitary factory conditions. Mm -hmm. And all of the owners were against this because think of the cost. I mean, this is pre-OSHA, right? (laughs) Back in the day. So he went against the grain um, and opened his factory to public tours. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. thousands came to that. So just some really transparent, honest activity um, really was enough to set him apart. And so those are to me really great examples of you can be your authentic self. You don't have to necessarily right. be kitschy. You don't have to tag on to something, although it can be super effective and it will be if you make that right, you know, connection, that Venn diagram or the one liner in, in the copy that 30% of the people read about. But you can also be effective just by reflecting your, your values. Yeah. You know, letting the world see what you stand for in an authentic way, people are attracted to that. And as long as it's not, you know, a put up, like if as long as it's not a put on, people will recognize that. And I feel like be, be attracted to the brand. So, you know, I guess in closing, what I would say authenticity is really important in yeah. all public relations or it'll be, you know, a big fail. It might be successfully initially, but it certainly won't have staying power and you won't gain credibility overall at your brand. So, you know, really look, reflect out what your values are, what your persona is and wants to be in terms of that public facing view and look at efforts, you know, causes, um, brand assets, your brand promise that really reflect that and then do deliver on that because not delivering on it will lose a whole bunch of all that street cred you tried to gain, you'll be in a negative position. So I think that's the most important thing, no matter how you slice it, just be your authentic self. Yeah. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. I have a client who in a niche and she's, she talks about, you know, lead generation and getting clients in this niche. And one of her points is just like, be a good human. Like, yeah be relatable, be, don't always talk about business, talk about other stuff. And I think that's, that, that's what I'm hearing here is like, like, don't be one dimensional where all you talk about is business, right? Right. Tap into all the other things, whether it's a charity like canine for warriors or, or pop culture or whatever, 
if you just be an interesting human, yeah, that goes a very long way mm-hmm. in branding. And even companies can do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I've got one more thing I want to ask about and then we'll wrap up because I am conflicted on this, this brand and how they're going to do PR. Cause it seems to me there's a lot of overlap between really good PR and really good branding. Like you need, seems like you kind of need both. Would you agree right. with that? I Michelle? absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to put on the screen here. There's this company. Have you heard of this? It's called freewater.io. Have you heard of this? I have Michelle? not. Never heard of them. Okay. There's part of the problem. <laughs> so their model is they give away free water because the ad space, they turn the label into ad space. So then they will give this a water away. And they actually have a longer term vision of having free supermarkets where all the products in the supermarket are ad supported on the labels. Mm-hmm. So my question is like, how does that work if you're trying to brand this idea of freewater.io, but your brand is not anywhere on the label? <laughs> like, it seems like a catch 22 to me. Like, I think it's a cool idea. And I think yeah. it, it, I think it lends itself to kind of the future where we're going. They also don't do plastic, you know, they do aluminum and or cartons. Right. Um, but as you can see here on the screen, like the entire thing. So their whole revenue model is advertising from, from people who want to buy the space on the container. Yeah. And then they, is the, the product away <clears throat> to consumers. Hmm. Michelle, what's well, your reaction to that? Well, I love, I love the qualities that they, that you speak of and the cause yeah. certainly there, like that on, in and of itself is so powerful, but it's getting drowned out a little bit. The dot IO is usually for a tech company. It's in input output. Right. So I would, you know, it wasn't the question on the table, but you know, my first advice to them would be, you know, rebrand, um, their company and definitely maintain the real estate for their own brand. I mean, to, to me, that would be part of the sales proposition of why it would be even more effective for those buying at space because mm-hmm. you're losing that social sort of corporate responsibility, be a good human piece of it by not having the brand identity established or even recognizable of freewater.io. Um, but I love the notion. I mean, it's super fantastic, but yeah, how does the, it take off? I think the idea is like, um, so it's tap water and a aluminum can. Is that what or, it is? Or a carton? Yes. Either one. Um, where do they, they I find that? Where do they find this bigger. free water at? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it says spring water, but you know, who knows what that means anymore. But I mean, their, their bigger vision, which again, I've seen several companies do this, right. Where they start in a niche like water and they name their company after it, even yeah. though their bigger vision is like free grocery stores, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, then you got to pivot with your name, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, the carton that's spinning They've got free water across the very top of the container, mm-hmm. um, but nowhere else on the package. So you, you kind of miss it. And I, th- I think, Michelle, if, if I'm reading you right or hearing you right, like you kind of need both because if if you want to support a mission, especially because this seems more like a mission, right, than a right. than a anything else, then people need to feel proud holding your product 
a lot of people pick products because like liquid death, because it, it tells them something when you hold it, it says something about who you are. Right. Right. If it's a strong brand, strong mission or whatever. Um, and this, I think lacks that. And, and that was my, my original thinking was like, okay. Free water sounds like tap water to me. Yeah. Um, it's that cause based in the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I mean, we, we had a, a guest on a couple of times. She has a great book called the three word rebellion. Yeah. Where she talks about names. It's a great book. And, uh, any of our newer listeners, uh, she's yeah. it's been a couple of years since we had her on three word rebellion. Um, you know, whether it's black lives matter or a lot of the political slogans, things like that tend to mm-hmm. fit that re- They do a really good job of that, whether you agree with them or not they pick great names. Mm-hmm. So, um, she talks about that. And yeah, I think this brand is missing that despite, I think yeah. it's, I think it's like groundbreaking idea, uh, which is funny. I, I kind of did this when I had a handyman business, I would do one page flyers in the mailbox back in the early two thousands. And on the one side I would put my own flyer and on the back side I would sell two spaces to like a electrician or somebody else that something I didn't do. So smart. And they would pay for my flyer. I did it out of pure survival, so I didn't have to pay for the flyers. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think, you know, somebody could, I think they could do a little bit better job. Maybe half the label is theirs and half the label is, you know, paid for. Yeah. Right. You'd want to be proud holding it and show off that affiliation. I mean, there is an ego piece to this too, that unfortunately people do want to be recognized for their good deeds. They just, most people want that selfie while they're giving the donation or they want this or that. Right. So I feel like they're missing that connectivity piece of it, but Hey, we can grow the valuation. We've got three people right here to do it. Yes. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting brand to watch I think they're here in Austin. Um, as all the cool brands are. Um, so I think they're worth watching and to see how they, how they make this work, if they can make this work. Um, I think they're going to do really well at things like trade shows at things like, yeah, you know that, but can they break into mainstream market with this model? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. That word free. I love the word free cause it's very powerful. We know that, you know, in persuasion in, um, in selling, but you have to monitor the way that you use that. And I wonder yeah. if using that in, in a, in a, you know, for, you know, premium water, maybe it's not premium water if they're, you know, they just say spring water. So spring water, um, you know, it, <laughs> I'm not sure that those two go free and spring water makes me think, well, this is right out of a tap. And so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it feels more like swag yeah. and like water. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't know how, I know they're planning on getting in convenience stores <clears throat> and things like that. But right now it feels like swag where yeah. you put, slap your label on it, you hand it out at a trade show yeah, or at an event. Like, right. a, uh, you know, instead of liquid death, they pass it out at concerts for free. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and their source the of revenue. Going? I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the advertisers that are on the label, I mean, that's their revenue source. Right. Uh, primarily. So, Which, you know, to be fair, some of the biggest brands in the world, yeah, that's their model, right? Yeah. It's advertising based. Yeah. I mean, Google right. is, is based on other yeah. people advertising on their platform. Right. So from a, 
dollars and cents. It makes sense. It's just something feels <laughs> off and disconnected. Yeah. And maybe it's, it's easy just, to get brand confusion, brand confusion. They yeah. Need third yeah. yeah, they do. They need something else. So, yeah. Um, well, it's been a fun conversation, Michelle, how can people learn more about you? Uh, well, first, if you could give people one word of wisdom or one sentence or a billboard or whatever advice about PR, what would it be? Be authentic. Yeah. There you go. Simple and sweet. Um, Damon, I thought we were going to talk about Britney Spears. (laughs) That's the next show. She's already breaking records with their book. So we'll come back. Let's let's do this again. I forgot about Britney. Yes. Um, (laughs) And Justin Timberlake has turned off his comments. So So, whoa, more to come. Yeah. I've, I've, I've caught some news this week that, uh, I mean, that relationship goes back way back, but, uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do a separate (laughs) title just to, I haven't been following that. So I wasn't even, oh yeah, separate title. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. So I'm going to push you a little bit further, Michelle, when you say be authentic, how do you define authentic from a PR standpoint? So be who you are publicly when no one's watching privately. Okay. Right. So if, if you're wrapped around a tree, then geniuses are misunderstood. Okay. I like it. All right. How can people learn more about what you do and where to find you? So connect with me on LinkedIn, Michelle Love CMO and um, clearvisionstrategicmarketing.com needs a little refresh, but still relevant. Um, it's interesting, you know, communications, given all the changes that have happened and all the new advancements and communications channels, some of the same things still apply as they always did, right? So be true, communicate on it, honestly, be transparent and available and connect with your customers, prospects, clients, and benefactors. And I think, you know, the rest will take care of itself. All right. Sounds good. Jonathan, anything else? Hey, that sounds like us, man. I mean, if you do a podcast on beer, you know, you just like embrace it and we just drink beer, you know, yeah. despite our negative comments. Yeah, we embrace them, actually. We make fun of them every week. Well, that's all good PR, we right? Them. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. We didn't even get comments this week. I'm a little disappointed in our, in our I know. viewers that we're watching today. That's all so, right. I was surprised. Um, I should have I'm, I should have taken your advice, Sean, and named this the uh, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer effect. Yes. yes. <laughs> Taylor Swift trailer effect. You got to get go. her name in there. Yeah, yes. that's right. So we need we can, SEO we'll rename sure. it for sure. <laughs> so, all right, Michelle, we're going to put you back in the green room. Do you have a, just a minute to uh, hang out while we close? And then we'll want to talk to you. Sounds good. Behind the scenes. So Fantastic. I'll let you do your, yeah. put on your radio voice and take us out. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Time for me to close out this episode of Persuasion by the Pint. You can find us on all of your podcast platforms, whether it be Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. We're there and uh, you can find us every week. Again, persuasionbythepint.com. Leave us five stars if you so choose. We would greatly appreciate it. Sean, it's been fun and we will see you all next week. Do we have a guest next week, Sean? Not that I know Another of. guest? Nope. Not, we're going to have to figure something else on our own. <laughs> that might be good. 
yeah. we might need to do a solo. Um, what we call it a flight next yeah, week. Flight next week with uh, some random flight of persuasion yes. here. I'll be at a major trade show next week. Oh, cool. And I will have some major takeaways on a flight of persuasion of how bad, how <laughs> literally how bad adver- how bad selling is done at trade shows based on this show that I'm going to be yeah, at take, next week. Take some pictures. I will. We'll, we'll put them on the screen. I'm going to take some pictures. I'm going to pull some, as I always do. I'm going to pull some uh, some of those one sheets that they do that they spend so much time and money doing to no advantage. So many meetings. <laughs> I will be laughing my head off by and don't, the don't end forget of that to get show. a picture of the fishbowl with the business cards. That's right, the fishbowl with the cards that, that nobody enters into a database. <laughs> Uh, we need to bring a, their uh, previous that uh, previous guest back on on the trade shows where he talked about the uh, what is it the uh, he did the juggling the fire at the trade yeah, shows that was the other Jonathan right yeah that's right the Jonathan yeah. Pritchard Jonathan yes. Pritchard yeah that's right so anyway yeah it should be fun we'll talk about that we've got uh, so many things to talk about I'm sure uh, we'll do a complete flight on uh, on our next episode but. Uh, Sean, we'll see you next week, man. It's been fun. Yeah, see you. All right.